Thank you for tuning into Sochcast. We hope you enjoy this uninterrupted listening experience. But before that, please do listen to these messages that come from those that support your favorite show. Raj Naik's talk show Fridays Live features high-profile guests from various walks of life who engage in a free-flowing and inspiring chat with him. Welcome to Fridays Live with me Raj Naik. My guest needs no introduction. He is one of India's most trusted, most respected and most inspiring business leader. May I welcome my friend Harsh Mariwala. Harsh, welcome to Friday's Live with Raj Naik. Thank you. Thank you so much Raj. It's it's my honor and privilege to to be with you on this chat. There's so many things I want to t- uh, say about you but hopefully as as a chat progresses <laughs> i hope good things only huh? <laughs> okay. only on, only good things and you know uh, you are such a legend in your own right you are a game changer so you know uh, for me i'm super excited you know i've known you for a long time so i i'm, I'm going to start you know i mean uh, you you are from south bombay and you grew up in south bombay so i want to ask you what are your early childhood memories so <laughs> i was born in actually i was born at home you know we have a family house at hajiali which is still there though in the last 20 years now i am no more a south bombay person i have shifted to andhra but uh, i first 40 years of my life i grew in uh, grew up in south bombay at hajiali and i was born in that house actually i was not born in a hospital uh, a joint family uh, my father uh, had uh, three brothers he had six sisters and my grand grand parents and everybody was staying in the same building except the the his sisters got married but uh, a huge family i mean if i had to count my uncles and my first cousins it will go on to 100 at least so a very close family uh, a lot of uh, uh, interests wide interest uh, and i think that exposed me to a lot of things uh, which uh, just breadth of things you know one of my uncles was a very good rider my father and one of my uncles um played golf uh, one of my other uncles very good sailor so i tried virtually everything and uh, one common thing which everybody had uh, and which i also inherited that interest was the interest of indian classical music and every day in the evening indian classical music would would be played in the house at dinner time or post dinner or pre dinner and uh, wonderful days you know we had for the first few years it was a joint common kitchen but it became too unwieldy so at some stage uh, each flat had its own kitchen and as i said we had uh, we had four story building one one floor for each brother uh, so it was a uh, lot of closeness a lot of uh, interactions uh, open doors and you know there were no bells uh, to get into a house um Uh, many cousins so it, i had i have very pleasant memories of my childhood uh, spent in a joint family and that also taught me a lot you know because when you are a part of joint family there is a lot of uh, give and take um you have to play a larger role uh, and i was the first person from the next generation so i had to play a role when at those days you know when somebody went abroad it was a big thing and i had to go and drop them to the to the airport and go and pick them up again from the airport um once i started going to office we used to go to office in the same car uh so a lot of togetherness in in doing things being together as well as uh, learning from each other and uh, so tell me something about your parents i mean i mean your grandparents also lived with you right i mean yes okay. yes yes my grandparents also i was also very close to my grandparents my father the eldest brother and uh, uh both my father and mother played golf and that's how i took uh, interest to playing golf uh, our house was located next to the willingdon golf club at hajiali and i could from my flat itself i could see uh, the golf course so uh, so it was uh, it was uh, uh, i mean my father was uh, is the one who uh, started the business uh, he converted the business from a trading business to a to a manufacturing business and i think uh, he is the one who converted that uh, and made the journey into setting up industries based on our earlier trading business we used to trade in edible oils we used to trade in spices 
used to export spices. And my father started an oil crushing plant. He started an oil refinery plant. And from oils, we started making chemicals. And from spices, we started making spice extracts. So he's the one who initiated uh, uh, our shift from trading to manufacturing. Uh, and then my uncles joined the business. It was a joint business where everybody was uh, was involved in the business. And a typically family-owned and managed business uh, located in the heart of commodity markets in Masjid Mandar. Uh, and uh, there were no professionals. So uh, a lot of work and a lot of decisions or most of the decisions were taken by the family. Um, so I think that's how uh, I grew up and uh, I studied uh, in, in New Era High School in Bombay. And then after that, I did my commerce and economics uh, from Sydenham College. Post that, I wanted to study further. I wanted to do my MBA. Unfortunately, I could not get admission into a MBA school in India. At that time, there were only two or three schools, Bajaj and IIM Ahmedabad and IIM Calcutta. So uh, I wanted to go abroad and my father said, no, you can't go abroad. He was very scared maybe of me not coming back. And I think those days we were far more obedient compared to today's children. And uh, he said, you just join the business and learn through the business. So I was just thrown into the business. Uh, nobody trained me. Nobody guided me. Father said that you go and have a look at what, whatever you want to do. So I started visiting factories. I started uh, visiting customers, uh, industrial customers. Uh, went to the trade because we were selling edible oil in bulk in, in trade. So that's how I started, you know, getting interactions from each and every part of the business and started learning, you know. So that's you know, when uh, you say, the way. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. When you say you couldn't get into any MBA school at that time, you know, they say get, yeah. they say when you don't get what you want or yeah. when you don't get what you get is experience. And yeah. today MBA schools will be calling you to speak to them, you know. No, no, I, I've spoken uh, not once but <laughs> uh, maybe 10, 100 times to uh, yeah. the best of MBA schools including I've got invitation from Harvard and other schools yeah. where I've not gone because it was just, just too much, too much to travel all the way there. But I've spoken at London School of Business. I've spoken at all most of the IAMs in in uh, in India. But I think that what that did was actually you know it ignited a spirit to learn uh, in me, and that's how I started reading a lot. I started reading a lot on management, and I started interacting with uh, thought leaders uh, who were who had studied management uh, from very good companies, managers, uh, professors, consultants. And I still continue doing that. And I didn't want to, I was very clear that if we had to grow, we had to recruit very good talent. Uh, and if I had to manage the talent, I better know what language they're talking. So from that time onwards, I have been a voracious reader and uh, I read a lot. And that's how uh, I learned. And today we, we employ in Marico, we employ, I think 150 plus MBAs stroke uh, postgraduates. And I'm easily able to to understand what they are saying and you know interact with them i don't feel at all uh, inferior in terms of that fact that i have not studied mba you know like this sochcast tune in for more with the sochcast app from the google play store recently you you said something in one of your tweet you know uh, your degree is not your education what yeah, did you mean yeah. so i think it's luckily for me and I think it may not be relevant for each and every professional because luckily for me, I was from an entrepreneurial family. I suppose I had the genes of uh, starting a business and running a business. Uh, and I had the opportunity to be in a business. But if you have to, uh, if you don't study and if you, know, if you are going to have a career which is based on employment with somebody else, then I think that's clearly a negative because if you have not studied, then uh, I think that will be a clear negative. You may not be able to go get a good job. But if you want to start a business and the likes of you know, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and many others they have, and including Dhirubhai Ambani, they have not studied much, but they had that burning desire to succeed and start a business. And what I'm trying to say is that if you want to start a business or if you want to start something on your own, uh, then you can always make that up by by reading, interacting with others, and that should not act as as a negative in terms of your own journey. Yeah, you 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 uh, you mentioned some names, and uh, so tell me. I mean, today you are uh, an inspiring leader yourself. But 
when you started your early in your career who were the pe- people you looked up to i mean or if i ask you today <laughs> the what i said was most trusted most respected most inspiring leader that's how i described you so if you had to say most trusted most respected most, <laughs> most inspiring leader that you you look look up to who would that be so difficult to answer that question i have always uh, found it very difficult to identify one individual who has all these qualities i always looked at corporations rather than individuals who which were better managed you know because in a big corporation what happens is uh, there is a leader there is a history of leadership prior to that and you know there's a culture which is built up in the organization and the organization is a collective of many leaders which make them perform which makes that organization perform so i like to study organizations which have good culture and um, study from them rather than looking at one individual leader uh, but if you had to ask me who, who i mean the names which come to my mind are the big names which everybody has heard about you know which is whether it's steve jobs or elon musk or even it when it comes to giving back something to the society somebody like azim prem ji so there are many individuals but i don't have one individual who i can name with whom i have looked at from uh, from the time i started working you know so so when you started working in asia how did you uh, i mean you know when you're running being part of a family business and then yeah yes. you want to branch out and you want yes. to pursue your own passion do something different it's yes. not easy right especially when you're in a joint family true true so how did you manage that and what was the reaction from the family so it is uh, it went through phases uh when i started we as i said earlier one of the businesses uh, at that time the name of the company was bombay oil industries uh was the edible oil business where we were selling coconut oil we were selling refined oils in bulk to the trade as well as to some industries and that business was not doing too well uh a lot of uh, uh, the business success depended on how well you covered your raw materials and how the raw material prices behaved so it was very erratic in terms of uh, margins and performance and i said that if i can convert that business from unbranded to branded uh, the business will be far more profitable it will be far more sustainable and that's how i began my journey in terms of converting that business into branded business i started traveling to interior markets i started appointing distributors in many small towns in maharashtra gujarat you could not find even a hotel at that those days to stay in or a good hotel to stay in and i have stayed at distributors houses uh, go to the market do retailing yourself recruited of course you recruited some talent uh, supervisors and all who or sales rep who could be with you but uh, i did very basic stuff like appointing distributors and then as the business started growing appointed advertising agency i didn't know anything about advertising agency so i i told the agency that before i start managing i want to learn from you so i one week i spent in the agency learning what advertising meant and how to you know how to go about uh, doing advertising so very much uh, learning from the bottom and that's how my journey began in terms of uh, consumer products i was very clear that i uh, i did not want to go into an industry which uh, which meant that i had to get a license or which meant that i had to get a favor from some government official because i am really very bad at that part you know so thank <laughs> god in consumer products i i didn't have to go to delhi at all i in my first 40 50 years I, or in my whole working journey i have hardly been to delhi to get to get a license luckily our our sector is quite delicensed so thank god for that and you know ultimately the success depended on how well you manage the business rather than the fact that you got a license or you got some favors done um, from someone you know uh, i was also not i was very clear i didn't want to go to b2b because again that meant that you had to go and some grease somebody's palms or go and you know entertain somebody and i was just not cut out for all that kind of work one other clear no for me was i don't want to go into high tech business because i don't understand too much my technology understanding of technology is not that strong so i had to choose a career which which met all these uh, action standards in my call it of which limitations and that's how consumer products uh, fitted that journey it uh, meant that uh, i had to study consumer habits and identify what are the opportunities with the consumer upon distributors 
So I think that's how I went into the consumer products business and thank God I I was able to identify that and I have really enjoyed my journey almost starting from scratch to a level yeah. which we have built it up over a period of time. So so I mean you knew nothing about brands and today you built some of the biggest brands in this country. So my yeah. question to you is uh, a you said you wanted to get into something and but how do you decide what is it that you really need to pursue how does one decide that i mean i know so that I think, you had a background which had the basics uh, available yeah, to you yeah, but yeah yeah but, but still to make that decision what was that motivating factor so before i answer your question you know i have not answered your earlier question about the family you know and let me let me uh, address that question and i'll come to this question uh, once i finish answering your earlier part of your question which was how to operate in a family managed uh, company so i built this business from virtually zero based to almost 80 crores in bombay oil industries uh, in the first 15 years and at that time it became the largest part of bombay oil industries by then uh, four of my cousins had joined business so at a at a time we were nine of us in the same company uh, located in the heart of commodity markets in masjid bandar uh, very difficult to attract talent and in consumer products you know the talent plays a very very important role uh you need talent to identify opportunities to build brands to uh, to distribute your products so i was very keen to attract talent from leading uh, mnc companies like lever or proctors or leading fmcg companies uh, and it was very very difficult for me to attract talent They're located in masjid bandar being a part of a larger family which uh, which uh, which managed uh, various businesses not having any synergies and it took almost 2 years for me to convince the elders that can you give me some space to operate on my own uh, in a different company where the business itself would be just consumer products and that's how Marico was formed in the year 1990 it took 2 3 years for me to convince the elders it was not it was a management separation wherein uh, i was allowed to operate this company uh, in a different uh, this business in a different company And I think to me looking back that has been the most important decision in my life because if I had not done that or if I had uh, not managed that that transition well I would have been struggling dealing with family dynamics dealing with different businesses not having any synergies um and uh, the fear of uh, the professional having fear of dual reporting so many family members in the organization and that gave me a great opportunity to professionalize and recruit very good quality talent and move out from masjid bandar to our offices in bandra so just to sum up i think uh, being a part of the family you have to be i think you have to look at all the family members and how the you know you have to drive a lot of important decisions by consensus and sometimes it can take some time but it's worth spending that time in building that consensus because once the consensus is built up then you know your at least the path is very clear in terms of the pace of work and if if you do it through an aggressive approach then it can it can backfire at you at a little later stage so this is my answer to your part of the question on the family like this sochcast tune in for more with the sochcast app from the google play store now coming to your question on how do you identify opportunities is that the question and how do you yeah, build brands yeah. i mean how did you choose that how does one actually choose that this is what i should be doing you know it's very easy to say you should pursue your passion how do you identify your passion yeah so i think clearly you know i those days we had coconut oil and that coconut oil uh, was very good in quality we had a parachute uh, mainly selling in uh, big tins 15 liter tins so the brand was there and the retailer uh, the quality was very good of the product of the oil and the retailer would would, um, would buy the tins and then sell it in loose in in bottles which was bought by the consumer uh, so got very good feedback about the the product uh, there was a market for packaged coconut oil but much much smaller than what it was today so we said that you know if if our quality is so good can we convert that into a packaged uh, uh, and the brand also was there uh, we had one or two con- uh, we had some packaging done in one of our factories and <clears throat> it was being sold in parts of maharashtra and gujarat so to some extent the product was there but in a very very minute uh, scale and you know 
my initial forays were more into scaling it up uh, not only in maharashtra and gujarat but all over india so my first initiatives and similarly safola we had that small brand which was being neglected so my first foray into consumer products went happened because of the fact that there were some seeds of consumer products which were sown by my uncles and which i expanded and you know which i grew and uh, once that grew then you know then it was a question of identifying opportunities you know i if i look back at my own journey whenever we have innovated or whenever you have pioneered a new opportunity that that's what which has led to our success so i would say a combination of uh, innovation stroke and identifying pioneering opportunities is the way we have we have built our brands some of them are through acquisitions also but if i look at uh, all the brands we have um, in all the brands we are market leaders you know uh, it's i've always had that number 1 number 2 from those days jack welch used to say in ge that you have to be number 1 number 2 because if you are number 1 or number 2 then you you are the market leader you get the economies of scale and your margins are much higher than uh, the weaker players so i always wanted to be number 1 number 2 in that particular segment and uh, that's how uh, we grew by by innovating in in coconut oil market we at that time the whole market was in tins we converted the market in plastics completely and that conversion was uh, was a tough conversion it didn't happen automatically but uh, that really uh, ensured that our growth rate really jumped up multiple times over a few years and the same thing we did in bangladesh whatever innovations we did in in india we rolled it on bangladesh and we succeeded and we are the largest coconut oil players in in branded coconut oil players in bangladesh market so if i had to sum up i would say innovation stroke pioneering just to give one or two examples you know we uh, we launched revive fabric stars it was more uh, an insight from my personal uh, need that i wanted to wear starch clothes and starching is a big uh, a big hassle at home so that's how we said that can we offer a product which is easy for the housewife to starch clothes and that's how revive happened <clears throat> you acquired a brand medicare from procter and gamble they were uh, selling anti lice shampoo then we knew that if we offered the same brand under an oil format we could increase the sale because in rural areas many people have not used shampoos and i'm talking of those 20 30 years back and we launched medicare in oil format and our sales just doubled so i think innovations pioneering uh, initiatives have really helped us in terms of uh, um, growth so i think ultimately there has to be a consumer need and that uh, that need has to be big enough for you to uh, to build a brand which is which is of a certain size and then my thinking is always that you if you have to be market leader in the first few years you have to go on over investing in the in the advertising part and become market leader and then start uh, once you get a certain critical mass start backwards in terms of improving your cost structure uh, and improving your margins i have always been curious and i want to ask you this question how did this name parachute come about <laughs> so i as i said i inherited that you know it was uh, it no, was for million big thing but i'll tell you yeah 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 of course yeah. You know, and this is one question everybody asked me it so happened and you know bombay um, was formed in the year 47 and those were the world war days you know in world war parachute was a new thing uh, where a lot of indians had not seen what parachute was and maybe my uncle thought that this is something which is which can be launched under the brand name parachute it looked like a like an umbrella when you you know show a picture of parachute so it was known as in hindi it was known as in hindi belts it was known as chata brand you know but uh, a lot of my family my friends said that you have to change the name it uh, it doesn't fit in with with coconut oil and i don't know why but i just said that it's working so why unnecessary change it um, i decided to continue that and looking back i think that has been a good decision you know the brand is the whole category is is known uh, uh, parachute is very closely associated with the category of branded coconut oil you know one of the things that you did mention is uh, talent and uh, you spent a lot of time attracting new talent and uh, you said it was difficult to get talent and you also yes. in i've read somewhere that you also said that you spent a lot of time 
uh, nurturing talent, grooming talent within the organization. Yes, yes. And so, uh, yeah. yeah, good. No, please, please. Can no, you elaborate? I I, yeah, so I always feel that, you know, there is a war for talent and you have to you have to treat hiring like marketing, you know, um, because ultimately if there's a war for talent and there's a shortage of good talent, you have to market yourself first. That means you have to identify what is unique about you. Uh, you arrive at what we call the employee value proposition, which is unique in the job market. So identify what you are doing differently compared to uh, what others are doing from where you want to attract talent. For example, if I want to attract talent from multinational corporations and FMCG sector, then uh, clearly uh, in these companies, a lot of decisions take place in the headquarters, whether it is UK or USA and the freedom given to the local <coughs> talent is relatively lesser because these decisions get taken. These are global brands and uh, people sitting here may not be allowed to to take decisions uh, about the brand. So a lot of it gets dictated from the headquarters. In our case, we had to build our own brands. We had to arrive at our own brand names, packaging, advertising. So we said that, you know, the empowerment we give to our talent is, is far, far higher than an MNC corporation. And we made that as our, as our employee value proposition that we empower our people. And you will, because we empower you much more, you will learn much more than, than many other uh, so-called, shall I say, big names and uh, why don't you join us and then see what you you're going through and i think that really cut ice with uh, the recruitment agents with the with the people and you know as uh, as the word kept spreading that it's it's worth working in marico it's a great experience and on top of that uh, you combine that with a culture which is very open which is very innovative where people are not afraid to take decisions there's no fear of failure and um, there is so you combine a culture with job rotation challenge and empowerment and then you are creating the right framework for attracting and retaining talent but it's easier said than done you know uh, it, the first i think the journey began when i started recruiting talent within a very short period of time uh, when marico was formed in the year 1990 uh, we recruited something like 30 or 40 uh, senior managers and top managers uh, at the top two levels from outside and each of them came from a different background. Some of them came from multinational corporations, some of them came from good Indian organizations and each one of them came with their own set of beliefs in terms of how they would I and mean, what would be their way of their leadership style, the way they would treat their, their teams, uh, their thoughts on how should an organization treat profit or uh, what kind of products one should get into. And very click, quickly I realized within a period of six months that uh, we became a melting pot of different cultures because each one had their own set of beliefs. And it was quite chaotic at one level because for a certain decision to be taken, for example, if there was a non-performer, somebody else would sack that non-performer some other manager would uh, give a long rope in terms of ensuring that uh, let's train that person uh, somebody else would say no no we have to be loyal so i i was quite hit at that time in terms of how should we how should we how should we work in a unified manner and that's how i started writing my own thoughts in terms of uh, what was dear to me in terms of leadership style, in terms of decisions relating to people, products, profits. And it took almost three, four months for me to write those thoughts, random thoughts. And I shared that with my team at that time. Um, it evoked a very positive response uh, from my team. We must have spent about eight to ten full days discussing the notes I had written. And I think in that process what happened was that uh, our values got better defined. I also had a lot of blind spots, which uh, somebody else had it and they mentioned that. And we had a better structure also. So we we finalized what we call our values document at that time, the three P's of Marico, people, products and profits. 
so between me and my team there was complete alignment in terms of what you wanted to do and then we said what next because we have uh, we were not clear so we worked with a management consultant and we said that how do we take it further and that's how we involved the next two layers of management and we called them to a two day workshop a residential workshop where we told them that this is the work we have done and we want their inputs and uh, i think those two days were very well spent because they looked at the values they gave the suggestion and on the second day we also identified that if these are our values what are the gaps we have today and where do we need to improve upon so at the end of those two days we had a whole host of recommendations from the team in terms of improvement areas and the next step identified was that now we need to talk about these values to a larger set of people so i personally went to all our locations corporate office all our sales locations we had started some international operations by then all our factories and talked about why we need to have a culture and why we have these values and again after talking to them we had uh, uh, small uh, group discussions within the team and they came back with their recommendation in terms of areas of improvement so this involvement of people across uh across the organization uh did two things one is the fact that that they were involved it brought in very high degree of commitment i could have finalized the values and you know shared with them and said that this is what i have done um but that would not have meant the involvement because involvement brings in commitment you know so i had a committed set of top leadership top 2 3 levels of leadership and if top levels don't give the right signal to people down the line uh values will just not get reinforced and get established so next 3 years i personally spent a lot of time in ensuring that we created the culture and whatever suggestions which had come in at that time i personally was monitoring all those action plans every month with my team and we did so many initiatives we undertook to to create that culture which still exists and we still measure that culture and just to give you some examples it's very easy to finalize values you know uh, i have gone in many organizations they are pasted on the reception but when you actually talk to people down the line uh, you get a lot of cynicism that this is something which is meant for the top or it is just for for showing to outsiders i did not want that to happen so i was very clear that i the values had to be owned by every person within the organization and that's why this whole journey of you know spending so much time having action plans and sending the right signals so even if it comes to recruiting talent uh, we have we in the interview we see the values fit uh, when a person joins that person goes through uh, one day full one full day training program in terms of the history of values and why values are important uh, we measure each and every value every year at amongst all our employees and uh, a presentation is made to the board and if there are gaps at any location or any function uh, the hr steps in and tries to improve upon values so what are the values and what is our culture because uh, it's very easy to say that you have to have values but i was very clear that i had to drive an organization which was innovative and ultimately values have to help business you know it is not a stand alone thing where you know you're happy it's not an end by itself it's a means to an end so culture which should drive growth which should uh, help innovation is something which i was building so we identify openness as a very important pillar for culture building openness and trust we identify risk taking uh, experimentation empowerment and at that time because we we had converted from a family managed to a professionally managed companies i also wanted to give a strong signal that we were an organization which was based on meritocracy so no influence will work within the organization even if i had some recommendation from a friend to to consider someone for recruitment it would be only considered on merits so how do you build all this these values into a culture is a bigger challenge you know and i did a lot of reading and we internally discussed uh, i'll just give you two examples you know how do you drive openness so we were moving at that time into a new office and the brief given to the interior designer was that it should reflect openness so the uh, the office which was uh, 
uh, done up was uh, everybody could see each other. Uh, we have an open house every year amongst all our members, including at our factories, where anybody can ask any awkward questions to management. So again, it reinforces openness. We have a specialized six-day training program for all our managers, where uh, they go through an experiential uh, process where openness is is encouraged. Uh, we also have a uh, relationship reviews with the boss and uh, the team um, they may go out for two days once in two three years and talk about how the relationships are how open are they so when you look at openness from different angles uh, then you create an open culture similarly trust how do we send a strong signal of trust amongst our members so from that time onwards we said that we trust you we did away with muster in the organization we said that can we uh, do away with sick leave and casual leave because we trust you. If you are sick, uh, you can take your sick leave. But don't take it as an entitlement that you uh, are entitled to you. I mean, if you are sick for one month, it's okay to take one month sick leave. So the organization sent very strong signals about trust. Similarly, if if you incurred uh, expense on behalf of the company, normally in most companies you go to... uh, go to the boss for authorization of their expenditure. In our case, uh, we went into a system where you can self-authorize your own expense uh, based on guidelines which are given to you. And again, a very strong uh, signal on on trust. So for each of the values, we try to find out what, how can we reinforce on a perpetual basis so that, you know, uh, it becomes a very strong value and it becomes a strong culture. Uh, in in case of innovation, we were very clear that we needed to have a diverse set of people. So we started recruiting people from diverse backgrounds and also empowering access. Uh, in a way, it helps innovation, openness, dialogues, experimentation. We encourage a lot of experimentation and prototyping. And it's okay to fail. If you fail, you will not get punished. The moment any management punishes a failure, then people will stop taking this. Because in a consumer product, as you know, uh, one or two out of ten succeeds. There are bound to be failures. But if uh, you can reduce your risk in terms of whatever financial risk by prototyping it in in one market or in one uh, set of, say, retail stores. But you have to prototype rather than just launching all out if you want to de-risk yourself. But you have to do continuous experiments and, you know, avoid the fear of failures if you want innovation to happen. So these are the kind of things we've done uh, in terms of culture building, in terms of attracting talent. And I must say that whenever I met anybody who has uh, been with us and many of them have left to pursue another career and invariably the feedback which comes to me from them is that uh, though they left us and they're doing well, but in their own career, the experience they've had with Mariko has been the best and the most memorable experience. And we also cherish our relationship with all our ex-employees, we call them to dinners uh, uh, to celebrate our uh, our milestone achievements. And we are in touch with them and many of them who have left us have joined us back. So we are continuously in touch with them because we believe that our ex-Americonians are our ambassadors in the job market and in overall corporate circles. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. That's so inspiring, you know. I'm 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 venturing into something uh, in in basically uh, uh, about culture in organizations and things like that. And everything that you said is music to my ears, you know. So I'm I was really enjoying it. I was engrossed. So okay. tell me, who is the person who carries the can? Where uh, is it? The CHRO of a company or the CEO? If you really have to drive down culture in an organization, who should carry the can? Clearly the CEO. CEO has to lead and CEO and and his top two, three layers of management. CHRO, of course, CHRO is responsible if there are some deviations. He is a very important pillar in driving culture and ensuring that all the new recruitments uh, are fitting into the cultural, uh, whatever, values. But uh, I would say most important is CEO. If CEO is not interested, then no CHRO can drive culture within an organization if that person doesn't get support from CEO and uh, it has to be top led. I'm absolutely clear. Culture building is the top led exercise and it has to be led from the top. 
you know, uh, it's really nice that you said this. I, I hope I can use a, this bite to just tell CEOs in this country that how important it is for them. Yeah, many of them don't recognize. That's the sad part. You know, they can say, okay, now you do it through HR. But that doesn't work, you know. It just doesn't work if that CEO is not taking it seriously, you know. Okay, I mean, uh, due to paucity of time, I'm going to shift gears a bit. Yeah, yeah, sure. One of the most difficult things in life is to let go. Yeah. And after 24 years, you suddenly decided to step down and hand over the reins to somebody else. I yeah. mean, especially in, in the uh, more from an Indian context, you know, an Indian yeah. entrepreneur don't yeah. like to let go. They don't like to give up control. I mean, yeah. yeah. How did you make that decision? It was was, was it, I'm sure it wasn't easy. Yeah. So it is not. I I mean, 24 years from the time Marico formed, but before that, I I was in business. Uh, for almost 20 years um, and managing that profit center of consumer products in, in Bombay or industry. So, in a way, my experience has been larger. You know, I've always felt that perpetuity is very, very important, uh, at least uh, as far as I'm concerned, as far as the company is concerned. I am not a kind of person who uh, who is a serial entrepreneur who wants to build businesses and sell off. I I don't think I'm a kind of person who would want to sell off the company. Uh, as long as I have conf- confidence in that business, if, if some brand is not doing well and if I if I feel that, okay, I don't have a future in that, I have sold off a few brands. But by and large, if the business is successful, if I'm hopeful about the business, I, I like to drive perpetuity. And uh, I think it reached a stage wherein I was, uh, I had managed that company for many years and, you know, the person who is now the MD uh, had aspirations of becoming the MD in a company, uh, and at that time he came to me and asked me whether he could he could play that role. I was I was not prepared at that time in terms of stepping down because I had kept myself a certain target which was likely to happen a few years later. But uh, I mean he was keen, he was impatient, and I discussed that with my board, and then I said that what do we do? Because if he didn't see that happening from his end, he would have left. And he was very clear and open about it, saying that I'm not trying to pressurize you. But at least if you can give me a comfort that, you know, um, you can, you will consider me, uh, then uh, I will not, uh, I will not uh, look out for an opening, you know. So it was a very difficult uh, moment for me. uh, Because number one, I was mentally not ready at that time to step down. Um, but nonetheless, I discussed that uh, with my board of directors. We are a very active board, and uh, and uh, you know I discussed with them, and then they felt that uh, we need to retain this uh, person who came to me, and then that's how uh, I decided to to step down. You know, one one thing which uh, uh, which happens in most Indian families, and it's a family-owned company, is that. Uh, uh, there is a strong hierarchy in, in the Indian society. So the society expects that your children will follow you. Um, so uh, there were a lot of, shall I say, uh, personal challenges uh, at my end in, in taking that decision. I think, but what uh, uh, what thumb rule I followed was that, okay, the organization's interest comes first and then my interest. I'm a promoter, but uh, if I look at the promoter interest first and the organization interest second, then it's not good for the business. If the organization interest comes first, whatever, whenever there has been a conflict, whether it is the promoter or any other stakeholder, I always ask this question, what is best in the interest of the organization? So whether it's a fantastic person who has played a very important role, who has been very effective, but at some stage starts uh, getting less effective, there is always a conflict. Okay, can you ask him to go? Should you reward loyalty? And at any time like that, I always use this sum rule. What is the organization's interest is most important. And I have taken some decisions in terms of asking some people to go, but that has been in the interest of the organization. And in this case also, it was in the interest of the organization. And looking back, I think that's worked out well. Uh, the board also asked me to to ensure that the transition happened smoothly because in most promoter driven or promoter built uh, uh, promoter founded companies there is uh, there is a temptation 
from the promoter to go on uh, managing and interfering into day-to-day uh, affairs. And I think the board was clear that I should not do that because if I did that, then uh, I think I would be undermining the overall role of the of the chief executive and the managing director. So I wrote down where all I'll get involved and uh, it uh, very high degree of clarity in terms of whom I should be interacting with with uh, with the MD, the team, outsiders, my what would be my role in media. I think that uh, role clarity really helped me, me as, well, as well as him in terms of ensuring that uh, we worked uh, and we worked uh, together to ensure that uh, there was synergy between us and also it was good for the organization in terms of ensuring that we worked in a very in a positive and you know combined way which was very good for the organization if i look at many of indian companies which have faltered in this area where they were appointed as ceo i think what two reasons one is maybe they were not appointed the right ceo but even after appointing the ceo the promoter has gone on interfering into day to day affairs and i think that doesn't work out well you know so it's very important to have that clarity in terms of handing over reins of course it is difficult uh, i was not ready so i had to prepare myself in terms of doing other things i'm not the kind of person who can sit at home and do nothing so i had to identify some new initiatives reinvent myself as we were talking raj prior to our interview that okay you are also in the process of reinventing yourself but i think every at some at some intervals in life you need to assess that okay you've done something for so long and can you do something else and i think i have done that uh, and i'm happy with uh, my journey in the last 4 5 years after i've stepped down i've done lots and lots of new things and which have kept me occupied which have given me a new learning so all in all it's worked out well from all angles the company's angle my angle as well as his angle as you men- mentioned your children i mean uh, yes yeah you got yes. to you got a daughter yeah. and the son and the yes. daughter are yeah. being yeah. sharp yeah. so yes. did they at any time express interest to get into the business and so so uh, each of them is very passionate about uh, what they do uh, my daughter is a, is a, i think it's a, she's not i think i know she is a leading canine behaviorist in bombay she um, she trains owners uh, not only canine now for she deals with cats also uh, feline also and that's her passion and she she enjoys that uh, she enjoys handling difficult cases and she also has a huge passion for mental health and with her i've started uh, after i stepped down i've started a new initiative in terms of helping mental health and i think we have done we've done extremely well she's the one who manages it i support it financially from my personal side it's not a corporate csr it's uh, something which i'm supporting from so we help uh, organizations which are in the area of mental health uh, to scale up to we give them grants we work with something like today 12 14 but over a period of time we have huge aspirations to um, to increase the numbers and uh, we want to be a thought leader and i i clearly believe that we are thought leaders in india as far as mental health is concerned so she has a full time role in mental health and canine role and my son decided to pursue interest in uh, starting an investment office uh, that's what he liked and he has built a very strong portfolio of uh, of companies uh, which he is invested in which has done extremely well and that's what uh, he drives his passion and that's really got a big scale now and i spent some time with him but independently operate so we invest in both public markets as well as in uh, startups and more than startups i think early stage businesses so both of them are very well settled both of them are very happy my son also is on board of marico so he plays a role uh, he also participates with me and with me and the md and his team in terms of monthly reviews so he has to be at least aware of what's happening within the organization and able to take the reins from me over a period of time but our roles have shifted from actively promoter driven company to a strategic investor driven company you you mentioned somewhere that you know you had three phases of your life earning learn no learning earning and <laughs> you know i i remember that line yeah so, it's not mine i mean it's, it's quite um, it's used very often but i mean the whole time frame has changed earlier it was first 25 no, so, years so, of learning so, yeah, after that yeah yeah go ahead so if, 
So if you had to take these three things, what yeah. would you say was your most pronounced learning from each of these? <laughs> it's very difficult to say which is the most pronounced, but clearly each of them has been very, very different, you know, and I've enjoyed each part. And I think it's it's good to have different uh, different subjects, different uh, different ways to learn. And what I'm learning today is very, very different from what I learned when I built up a business. And now I, I, I'm playing more in influence role where I influence other. I'm on board of like six, seven companies. I'm also on advisory board of three, four funds. I look at, I help my son with the family office. I work with my daughter on mental health. I'm working with entrepreneurs. And if any of your current uh, people who are interested in our entrepreneurs, they can join this journey I've started. We have something like seven, 800 members today. It's, uh, it's known as Ascent. Uh, if you please look up the website ascentorg.in I think that's the website name but uh, you, uh, you if you are running a business and if you want to join you have to apply and uh, there is no cost attached to it so this is something which I, I'm spending a lot of time and as I said we have about seven eight hundred entrepreneurs we want to increase to thousand within within this year and they will learn a lot through peer learning, I spend a lot of time on this and we have conclaves. I also mentor uh, entrepreneurs. We have over 30, 40 mentors who also help these entrepreneurs uh, dealing with their own set of issues, you know. So a lot of uh, things done in a very, shall I say, diverse ways, whether it's giving back something to the society, as well as my involvement in Kaya and Mariko continues. I've also started a new business. Uh, so I've started uh, to... Uh, uh, two centers which are uh, a pioneering move which is uh, recovery from injuries based on aqua so we have pools in in uh, in bombay in in andheri and Burley. so if you have any aqua issues if you have any neuro issues like stroke if you have any women's health or even pediatric issues uh, then you can go and you know uh, the recovery in water is much much faster because you are able to exercise very easily in water compared to land so I think that's something which you have started about two years back and except for the pandemic where we had to close the centers because of pool. But otherwise, I see a bright future for that also. No, no, I mean, I was just I was just going through and I saw Marico Innovation, SN, Kaya Skin Clinic, yeah, Multiple yeah. Health Initiative, Aqua Center. Yes. I mean, you got your fingers yeah. in all everything. So I forgot to mention innovation. We have a Marico Innovation Foundation where I again spend time. So I... I'm quite involved and I'm quite busy uh, doing a lot of diverse things. And I think that's a different learning from managing uh, a full-time business. Harsh, you're writing a book. Yes. So when is it going to come out? What's it all about? <laughs> so the book is now gone to uh, the publisher. The publisher is Random House, Penguin Random House. And uh, it's they are just uh, finalizing the if there are some grammatical errors or something editing the book. But the book is ready. I have a co-author in Professor Ramcharan, whom I have learned a lot from. Uh, he is a very famous, for those who don't know, he's a very famous management consultant and a coach. And he's written something like 30 books. And some of his books have, have sold something like 3 million copies. So he's given his insights into the book. And uh, I spent a lot of time uh, improving earlier to the written, but I was not happy. And uh, my wife is a very good... Uh, I think she brings in, she's a very good writer and I spent a lot of time in pandemic uh, improving my book and she, we have rewritten the book uh, and I'm very happy with uh, the content. It's a very good combination of story, emotions, rations and failures, learnings and I'm sure entrepreneurs, professionals, uh, students will learn a lot from this book because it's actually, it's not theory, it's combined with uh, my own personal experience, failures, learnings. Uh, as well as giving something back to the society. So the name of the book is Harsh Reality. It's pun on the word harsh. And uh, it should come out hopefully by within next two months. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned uh, failing. I mean, you know, everybody speaks about success and your success, everybody knows. But if you had to go back and see one thing which you think was your failure, what would that be? Not one. I can use 10 failures, you know, <laughs> but that will take one more hour. So you tell me how much time do I have? No, you have time. You have time. At least some key ones so that we have some learnings. Yeah. So I'll give you one uh, recent failure, you know, be uh, so as a brand, which is uh, good for the heart. And we we wanted to go to Safola Foods 
we already had launched a full uh, low sodium salt and we said that at that time if we can and i'm talking of 6 7 years back we at that time all the snacks were fried and we said that can we launch snacks under the brand name safola which are not fried but which are baked so we developed the products and we said that uh, let's prototype that in bombay baked snacks now uh, the thinking in the team was that because it is under the brand name safola it should be healthy so health was given preference compared to taste and the product was very healthy but not as tasty because the brief given to the r&d was health is more important than taste and in a category like snacks it backfired you know people want taste first because it is impulsive eating you eat your snacks either with your tea or with a drink and uh, there was no way there was no way uh, a consumer is going to give preference to health so the product did not do well and that was a failure so for, i think for every failure we've sat down and we've identified what are the learnings out of the failure in this case we the clear learning was that if we want to launch foods taste is very very important you can't give so much preference especially when it comes to the foods health over taste and then a few years later we launched safola plain oats uh it did well but it, it had a limited market share we got about 15 20% market share in the oats category and then we went went back to the consumer and uh uh we realized that indian consumers preferred savory breakfast they did not want uh sweet breakfast which the oats had were prepared in so we saw an example of maggi which was offering a whole range of savory uh noodles and uh, we said that can we offer masala oats pongal oats uh, palm bhaji oats uh, so we did a lot of research on the taste and we went to each state and you know identified the taste profile for the particular taste for particular state and uh, we launched the product in south first after profiling the taste so we have now in masala oats we have in savory oats we have different uh flavors depending on the state and also we have ensured that if some state likes more spicy we make it spicy for that particular taste state so we've gone overboard on taste and as well as variants for that particular need of that particular community or that state and we launched that product and uh, it's become a large category we have something like 80% market share in that category and uh, it's already grown to about i think 150 crossed on over the our savory oats so the learning from the failure of uh, uh snacks was very well incorporated in the oats category in the savory oats category so that's one failure um i talked about but i i think each failure failure will take about 10 yeah, no 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 fair enough fair enough we can yeah, we can yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we can uh, leave it for another time but thank you yes. so much and yeah. uh, i'm going to plug happiness before i go because uh, sure. that's something that i'm i'm you know so inspired by you so i'm uh, trying to reinvent myself do something completely different like i told you so sure. you mentioned at one time that it's very important for people to be happy at a workplace uh, i would say happy and engaged more and then you know they have to yeah. feel like they have to be charged from within and i like people who have a burning desire to succeed because you know the, they said that passion is important but to me i like the word grit passion combined with determination and and perseverance brings in grit and every person will have setbacks but if you have grit you will overcome that setback uh, so the organization's role is to ensure that you know you keep people happy they are uh, they are engaged they are giving their best uh, a lot depends on the individual also and a lot depends on the culture which you built in uh, which creates that magic uh, so that people perform to the peak Harsh, my last question to you: What makes you happy? <laughs> what makes me happy? I, I have to be engaged again. You know, I am not kind of person who can sit at home and do nothing. So I like doing newer things. I like to achieve things. Uh, I go on upping my standards, whatever I want to do. I like to create an impact. I like to make a difference. Ultimately, I have to make a difference to others. You know, 
and that's what makes me happy you know and whatever i do whether it's a business i run or whether it's it's a mental health initiative or whether it's uh, the entrepreneurs i have to make a difference it's man business is not run only for for a financial reason you know you have to make a difference to people's life and i think that's what i uh, what drives me yeah. on that note harsh thank you so much and uh, harsh mariwala there's so much you can learn from him his book is coming out please don't forget to buy it and read it but even otherwise you can just there's a lot of lot of lot of insights you get from just following him on twitter or uh, uh, reading his interviews you know it's very important i mean for especially for entrepreneurs and ascent like he mentioned it's free so if you want to be a part of it just log in and apply thank you arsh thank you for your time and i thank you for this yeah. conversation thank you thank you so much thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed this sochcast what is your soch send us your comments on our facebook page and instagram page it's time for you to do your own sochcast at sochcast apni soch duniya ko sunao sochcast